0: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, Hello, and welcome to episode number 310 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be connecting with you again and your earbuds this week. And welcome to the show, especially if you are new or new-ish around here, just so you know how this show works. The first and third Thursdays of the month, I release a brand new coaching podcast which means I either have a client or an audience member from this podcast on the show, and I coach them through a question or a struggle or a situationship in their love life, or sometimes really just life. And the fourth Thursday of the month, I usually have a guest expert on the show. And then the second Thursday, I do a solo show. And I try to make these solo shows, today's a solo show, I try to make them really almost feel like a little mini workshop where you could actually be listening to this episode while you're like sitting on your couch taking some notes. So that's the goal anyway. So if you are walking or driving or whatever, as always, you can go back and listen to this episode if there is something that you want to jot down. And really, that is my goal. I want this to be really informative to where you can walk away from this episode and think, huh, I really understand that now. I don't know, that's just my Capricorn self coming through where, yes, I love spiritual woo, airy fairy kind of stuff. But if I'm going to use it in my life, and also if I'm going to teach it, I need to make it practical and tangible so that I can understand it for myself and use it, you know, in my own life, but then also, you know, make it practical to where you can really understand um, and grasp some of the things that I'm talking about. So you're like, Oh, okay, now I can see how this can make my life better, right? Because I feel like sometimes with self help and personal growth and spirituality, all that kind of stuff, we just do it because like we're interested and it sounds nice and it feels good while we're listening to it. But then you like stop the book or you stop the podcast and you're like, what did, what did she say? Or like, what? How does that apply? Or what, what? I don't even know what I learned. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And also, I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, so I'm going to Whoop! wheel myself back in and we are going to get um, going with this episode. So I am really passionate about surrendering and letting go and letting go of control and trusting. It is such an important part of healing. It's such an important part of being on this love life journey that you're on and really in all parts of life, right? Like it's very hard to move through life with like that white knuckle grip, with that level of control, because you're going to drive yourself crazy. Um, It's going to cause a lot of unnecessary anxiety and just frustration and all sorts of other emotions. Also, I, at least in my own life, I really love learning from teachers who teach what they need to learn right? when you And you can kind of tell, right? Like sometimes you're learning something from someone who's just like naturally good at something. And even though you can tell they understand it, and they're an expert at it, you're like, yeah, but yeah, but or at least that's how I find myself kind of responding to those types of teachers if, if I can tell that it's something that they're naturally good at. Whereas when it's someone who has the same struggle that I do, but maybe they're just a few steps ahead and can teach on it, then they really get all of the yeah, but kind of things that I'm going to have go through my mind. And letting go of control, surrendering, all that kind of stuff. This is not my forte. Do you know what I mean? Like I have had to work so hard to get where I am in terms of being able to let go of control and surrender. And even just the whole like, phrase, I like heard myself say it just now, I had to work so hard to let go of control. Ha, if that's not a control addict, then I don't know what is. But anyways, so I am really here from a place of yes, like sharing my expertise, but then also sharing from my own experience. Um, I was just sharing with a client the other day, You know, if I have a client that comes to me and they're like, "Oh, I'm like procrastinating and I'm not really getting through my to do list and all that kind of stuff," I I don't really know what to say. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I just write a to do list and I do it. (laughs) I've always been like that ever since I was really little. I don't have any problem. And so then when someone has kind of like that lack of motivation or lots of um, procrastination, I you know, it's it's just a little bit harder for me to to really coach on that because I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. You can just do it, <laughs> um, but if someone's like, "Oh, but I can't let go of control," I'm like, "Oh, we can talk. We can unpack this because I know exactly what you're feeling." So, without further ado, let's dive right into it. So, letting go of control—I always like start with the definition. So, letting go of control is being where you are without attachment to the outcome and without comparison. Obviously, this is a very fairly simple concept, but it's much easier said than done. And I want to be super clear. This is a lifelong process. This is not just something where you know you just get it and it turns on. You're like, oh, I'm good. I live my life with no control anymore. I'm good to go. It's really, I think, really the foundation of spiritual, really all spiritual and even religious practices, like even like mainstream religion. Because when you think about it, you have to let go of control. And how many times have you you know, heard people or seen on shows or in the media where you just have to trust God or trust Jesus or, you know, God has his reasons or whatever. So I think this is very prevalent in more mainstream religion. But I think also, just living our lives as humans, there's just so much complexity and so much stuff that comes at us, we just have to have some sort of trust or faith or something and a power beyond us, whether it's a God or a spirit or a divine or universe or mother nature or whatever, because I really do think that it would just be a lot for any one person to, to hold. So throughout this episode, you might hear me say letting go of control, letting go, surrendering. I'm kind of using all of those terms interchangeably. I know some people might have very specific definitions for all of those words, but I tend to use them interchangeably. And where I want to begin is that surrendering and letting go does not mean giving up. It's also not apathy or indifference. The art of learning to surrender is knowing what you can control and then doing work around that or doing what you can, and then knowing what you cannot. And then, and we're going to really talk about that part obviously today, but it's not giving up and it's not doing nothing. Right. So surrendering if we're talking about your love life, for example, does not mean you're going to delete all your apps and you're just going to stay at home and drink wine and watch Netflix for the rest of eternity. I mean, that's certainly a choice, but that's not surrendering. That's just giving up. If what's true to you is wanting a healthy, deep, loving relationship. Let me give you an example. So giving up or indifference would be like, "Well, I don't care if this person likes me back. I don't care if this person breaks up with me or not, right? That's not letting go. That's just, yeah, that's just giving up. That's just not caring. That's you know exactly what it is. Surrendering or letting go in those situations would be, I can't control everything. I'm in a relationship or I'm doing this dance with another person who has their own free will, their own opinions, their own thoughts, their own beliefs, their own emotions. I can't control that. And so, I understand that in this interaction, because I can't control the other person, I might experience rejection or I might experience an action or a feeling from them that I don't want. And that will suck. However, it's not going to erode my worthiness or the story I tell myself about what I believe or what I deserve or who I am as a person. Right. So it's not that you don't care. It's not that you are giving up. It's just that whatever happens doesn't impact your ability to love yourself, to trust yourself, or your perceived self worth. Okay. And listen, there's this old adage. um, When I was little, I had this book of quotes that I would just, or journal really, because I would just write down quotes that I would hear in movies or just, you know, I don't know, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul, I'd find all these quotes and I'd write them in my journal that I really liked. And one of the quotes that I really loved when I was little was something along the lines of, it's it's about the journey, not the destination. I don't know if that's the exact way the quote goes, but you've probably have heard that before to some degree as well. And the thing is, is that it's kind of true right? It's kind of corny. It's kind of cliche, but it's also kind of true. The path of surrender, the path of letting go is way more important than the outcome. Because along that path of surrendering, along that path of letting go, you are going to let go and unpack old stories, old traumas, old beliefs. You're going to uncover blind spots. There's going to be so much healing that that is just going to be a truly, beautiful path to walk down. And whatever beauty and emotion and whatever else you encounter along that path is going to be so monumental compared to whatever that outcome is. And the thing is, is that often that outcome or that thing we think we wanted will often shift in the timing or in the way we thought something was going to come into our life. So a lot of times, this is going to get really meta, but a lot of times we even want to let go or surrender so that we can have (laughs) that relationship that's also still kind of control. So this is hard is what I'm trying to say. And it's not hard in the sense that it's rocket science hard, where it's like really confusing or complicated, but it's hard in the sense that you might have to work on your wanting to control every day for the rest of your life. But I don't want that to be like, oh, my God, Ronick, I'm never going to get over this or I'm never going to heal because I, I don't want it to sound like that. It's more of like, let's say you eat vegetables and you drink water and you exercise really well for a week. Does that mean like you're good for the rest of your life and the rest of your life you can just eat garbage? No. At some point, the fact that you ate some vegetables and drink some water – you know it's not going to really going to have much of an impact on your life so you know anymore if you continue just to eat garbage for the rest of your life so i like to think of it as just spiritual health or spiritual hygiene so have some sort of practice in your life whether it's daily or a few times a week or even weekly that just grounds you and brings you back to this place of letting go and surrendering and trusting that muscle will get stronger just like how if you are working on running a race And you start with a 5k, then a 10k, and then you work your way up, you're going to get better and you're going to get stronger and you become a better runner. And the more you do this work, the easier it will be to let go of control. The easier it will be to, yeah, feel hurt by rejection because rejection is always going to hurt, but not have it like, you know, be wound up in your worthiness as much. Because again, you're going to have this muscle of letting go and letting go of control. It's gonna be so much stronger. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how you might control because sometimes it can be a little deceiving, right? So when you're thinking about the dating space, I think a lot of people control, and I'm just speaking from my own experience as well as what I've seen clients do over the years. So the texting, wanting to know, when the next time you're going to hang out or exactly how they feel. Or I remember I wanted to know if they could possibly see themselves maybe getting married to me. And I and I use all of those um, modifier words on purpose, because I was like, I'm not asking for a commitment. I'm not asking for them to marry me right now. I just want to know if they could potentially see me maybe getting married. I mean, it was just crazy. You know what I mean? So needing to have that reassurance that they liked me before I put any kind of effort or my own emotional collateral down, I needed to know from them first how they felt. I often would have a few guys that I was dating. That way, if one person fell off or rejected, then I wasn't really that upset because I had these other people to occupy my time, attention, and emotion from let's see, what else did I do to control specifically in my love life? I mean, texting was just like a game of control, right? Like I never wanted to be the one to send the last text. I would, you know, kind of count in my head who sent the first text, you know, each day or who initiated or all of these things where I was just trying to control so that didn't look like I was being too forward or too, um, really vulnerable so that I wouldn't, you know, I would I would lessen my chances of getting rejected or heartbroken or whatever it is. So those are some ways you may or may not be exerting some control or trying to control in um, your love life. But here's some other things. One is endless research, especially when you're not making any commitment to it. So what I mean by that is, sometimes you think, oh, well, I don't know how to do something. I don't know how to be in a healthy relationship. Or I have this you know, this attachment style that I need to work on or whatever. And so then you just listen to endless podcasts or you read endless books about it. You just research and research and research. And it's like, okay, yes, obviously you do need to have some degree of knowledge. You need to have some degree of awareness of what your pattern is, where it might come from or your attachment style or whatever. But at some point you have to stop the research and start doing the work. And my old coach, my old business coach called this edutaining which I talk about in my workshop, um, Five Steps to Ending Overwhelm. We have that link in the in the, um, in the the show notes if you wanna to listen to it. It's Five Steps Ending Overwhelm in uh, Dating. It's a great workshop and it's on demand. So you can listen to it anytime. Again, we'll put that link in the show notes if you do wanna check that out. But edutaining is just like this way of consuming more and more information. And again, information is fine. Information is great even, but at some point, at what point is it just control, making yourself feel like you're doing something, making yourself feel like you're being productive and taking action on your love life when really you're just spinning your wheels and reading or consuming or listening to the same kind of content, maybe just explained to you in a different way over and over and over and over and over again. Another way we can control is convincing others. So this is really big for my people pleasers or you know, the fixers um, in the group, you know, folks who like to do that kind of stuff. So any kind of convincing or what I call policing or managing other people's experience, emotions, or actions. So if you feel like you always have to justify or you wanna justify why you feel a certain way or why you are doing something or not doing something, that's a form of control. If you're trying to police someone's behavior, so this is really prevalent on online dating. So let's say you've been talking to someone and they. I don't know, they're like sexting or just being kind of gross or not that sexting's bad to be clear. I'm just saying it's, it's like unsolicited sexting or they're just being kind of sketchy or whatever. Rather than just deleting, blocking and move on, which is something I strongly advocate my clients to do. Instead, they feel the need to police that person's behavior so that that person knows what they did is wrong or bad. That's control, right? Because you actually can't do anything about that. That person might be an ass or whatever, but like, It's unfortunate that you had to experience that, but again, you can't control their behavior. You can't make them feel remorse or anything like that. Um, So this kind of goes into managing other people's experience, other people's emotions, actions. So when you want them to have a certain kind of experience or take a certain action or not take a certain action, that's all control, right? Because ultimately you want them to feel something or do something or not feel something or not do something so that you feel more secure in whatever the situation is. And this kind of then feeds into just general over-functioning, over-achieving. So if you are always doing things for other people, that's kind of a form of control, right? Overachieving if you just have to get this degree and then that, and then that, and then that, and then that, that's control, right? Because if you can do all of these things, then that makes you or helps you to believe a certain thing to be true about yourself, which then helps you to feel good enough, loved, worthy, whatever it is. Doing everything yourself is along the lines of that. Overexplaining is another example of how you might try to control. Uh, making everyone else feel comfortable or feel safe when you're putting that responsibility on yourself. That is control. An unhealthy obsession around things you can measure. So things that have a number. Okay, so obviously weight is going to be here. Money and specifically the money in your bank account or your salary, like anything that has an exact dollar sign next to it, Uh, steps on your pedometer, your rings being closed on your Apple watch, whatever it is. I'm not saying worrying about these things necessarily alone is bad, although I certainly have some opinions. I'm talking about an unhealthy obsession because again, that can give you a sense of control. Now, I'm sure as I'm listing all of this stuff out, some things and some other examples of ways you can control or do control in your life are coming up. This list is by no means exhaustive. This is just what I've noticed in my own life, as well as what I've noticed in the lives of my clients. So I want to talk a little bit now about why you might control and a few things. One thing that I want to say is that if you're listening and you're like, oh man, I actually do control, I didn't really think I did, but I am, or you already knew you control and now you're like, wow, I really do control a lot of things in my life, holy crap. First, I just want you to be super, super kind and compassionate with yourself. Now, I know that if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you already know that I say that over and over and over and over and over again. But you really do have to be kind to yourself about why you might control, because there's a few reasons for it that will warrant compassion. One, it's just a society that we live in, right? Whether you like it or not, we live in a society that is very masculine, that is very success oriented. So you get good grades, you go to a good school, you get a good job, you get a good salary, then you get married, then you have kids, and then, you know, whatever. The life that we're, quote unquote, supposed to live is very checkoffable. Right. And so, because of that, it exerts a mythological level of control. Like, oh, I can do all of these things, I can check them off the list, and then I'm going to feel happy or successful or good enough or worthy or whatever. Unfortunately, that's just not really true. I didn't actually say this at the top of the episode, which I probably should have, but control is all an illusion. Like we think we can control things, but we actually can't. And we're going to talk about what we can and can't control a little bit later on in the episode. But overall, control is an illusion. Because again, I'm sure many of you listening to this podcast have gotten good grades, have gotten to a good school, have gotten a good job, have gotten married, have gotten kids you checked off all these boxes and yet you're like, God damn it, <laughs> why do I still feel this way? Or why don't I feel how I want to feel? Or why does it all still suck? Do you know what I mean? And I know not everyone has has experienced all of those uh, life stages or milestones. I'm not saying everyone listening has. So please don't make a story about it. If you're listening, you haven't experienced one of those milestones. I'm just saying that just because you have experienced and check off all of those things by no way means you're going to feel however you want to feel. And also, probably more importantly, is that control can often be part of inner child wounding slash a trauma response. And this is where I want you to generate even more self compassion from. So if you're brand new to this podcast, and you haven't listened to any of my episodes about inner child work, Definitely do that because this portion of today's episode will make a lot more sense once you you have a baseline understanding. I'm going to talk about it a little bit today, but I do encourage you to do a deep dive into inner child work because that will just completely change your life. It's crazy. Um, But anyways, so let's just, I'll just give you an example. Let's say as a kid, um, your dad had a temper and it was scary when he had a temper. It was scary when he got angry. So you might've learned as a result of your dad's temper to walk on eggshells. And when you walked on eggshells, you hoped at least that would lessen the chance of him getting set off and having his bad temper, right? And so, you know, that didn't work all the time because he probably still had his temper, right? So that kind of shows that control really is just an illusion. We don't really have as much control as we like to think we do. Um, at the same time, when you're five years old, when you're 10 years old, living at your parents' house, what are you going to freaking do? You're going to do what you can, right? You're going to do what you can to feel safe and sometimes even to survive. Do you know what I mean? In, In extreme circumstances. And so I'm not here to berate you or to poke at your wound around controlling or like what you're doing is bad or wrong. Instead, I invite you to have An overwhelming amount of compassion towards yourself and if you can't generate it towards yourself perhaps towards your younger self your younger version of yourself because her control did not come out of nowhere do you know what i mean no one was born thinking oh i gotta control everything or i gotta make sure this happens or that doesn't happen that's a learned response often out of trauma I want to take a quick pause here to remind you that if you haven't already, you've got to block out an hour on your calendar and check out my workshop, The Five-Step Strategy to Banish Anxiety and Overwhelm in Your Love Life, so you can attract a fulfilling partnership and live a life of purpose. It's completely free, and in the workshop, I break down exactly why you're in the dating pattern you're in, how to take the confidence you feel in the rest of your life and apply it to your dating life, and so much more. If you like my style, philosophy, and how I coach women on the show, this workshop will help you get started in your own deep work. And for those of you who want to understand the why behind what I do on the show, I even dig a bit into the science of love so you can start to see real change in your own love life. It's really all my best work in one place and you can access it right now. I strongly believe you don't have to spend years in therapy or read every dating self-help book to dramatically transform your love life. Grab your seat over at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. And now back to the show. Another example is, let's say you had a mom who just, you kind of had to parent her emotionally in a lot of ways. And so when she would have one of her episodes, that would feel really scary and really uncomfortable. And it could feel very emotionally overwhelming when you're 10 years old and your mom is just having this huge emotional breakdown. And so if you stepped in and took care of her and tried to parent her and make the bad feelings go away, Again, that would create an illusion that control could help solve the situation. Now, there probably were times where you were able to step in and parent her and be the parent, even though you're 10 years old, and help quell the situation. Of course, that didn't solve it 100% of the time. But what I'm saying is, as an adult, you still kept that sense of trying to control other people's emotions in order to feel emotionally stable or safe yourself, Okay, so in addition to controlling, because we do live in a society that favors that, control also comes from our inner child wounding. And ultimately, it's we don't trust FOMO, which means fear of missing out, or we're afraid of our deepest beliefs or our deepest fears coming true. So think about where you exert control in your love life, or you can look at other parts of your life too, as well. And when you think about the part of you that wants to control, right? Like you want this person to text you back. You want this person to like you back. Now, of course, it's normal and you're a human, so you want someone to like you back, right? But when it goes beyond just, oh, I hope this person likes me too, and it goes more into that need, that control, what does that feel like? What does that remind you of? Or when have you felt like that before? And that will help you figure out where some of this control comes from. And then from there, I strongly, strongly urge you to do some inner child work around it. Um, I'm not going to go into inner child work again too much today. I've talked a lot about that um, on this podcast, but we'll put some good episodes in the show notes that will help you dive into the inner child work. Okay, so let's wrap this episode up with talking about how you can overcome control. And I just want to remind you one more time that control or letting go of control and surrendering, it's a lifelong process. You will just become better at it. You will probably not experience a moment in your life where you're like, boom, I did it. I don't control anything. I will say that depending on your background or your experience, letting go of control might be easier for you or harder for you than other people. That's totally normal. I will also say that some parts of your life might feel really easy to let go of control and some parts of your life might feel really, really hard. It's probably not surprising to hear that for many, many women in this community, letting go of control and their love life is incredibly hard. And look, for other people, probably not in this community, maybe in this community, but probably not, letting go of control and their love life is really easy. And why is that? I don't know, but I'm gonna let go of control and need to have an answer because I don't know. You know, I'm not God, I don't have all the answers. And so one way you can honestly let let go of control is letting go of control of the need to know why something might be harder or easier for you or for someone else, right? Because we can get wrapped up in that. Well, why is everyone else able to do this? Why is everyone else able to get into a relationship? Why is it so easy for them? I mean, there might be some logical reasons, but there's probably a lot of reasons that we'll just never know, right? We'll just never know. So we just have to let go. Okay. Anyways, let's go back to how to overcome. Okay. So let's go back to how to overcome control. And here's the thing. I know that you all are probably like chomping at the bits, wanting to know the step-by-step process to letting go of control. But can you see how needing to have the step-by-step process is actually a freaking form of control? Like this talking about this. Having this conversation is so freaking meta. It's even sometimes makes my brain hurt. So instead, what I want to do is I want to just talk a little bit about some of the ways that you can approach it. I like to have this idea of when I'm feeling like I'm really trying to control something and I'm feeling really stressed about it, I will take multiple approaches with the idea of I'm just going to throw everything at it and until something works and until I'm not feeling this anxious or stressed or trying to control everything anymore. So one of the most important things I do think when control really begins to call the shots and run the show is when you're in that space, your mind has probably overridden your body. Okay, so let me talk about this or let me break this down. I talk a lot on the show about listening to the signals from your body. How do you want to feel in your ideal relationship? Where do you feel those feelings in your body? And can you let that be the guide that you use to date rather than like some checklist? Do you know what I mean? We're constantly getting signals in our bodies about to do something or to not do something, right? This is called intuition, right? I've talked about it a lot. When your mind is overriding your body, meaning let's say you're just not really feeling a connection with someone. You've been dating them for a while, but like on paper, they seem really great and they seem to be really available and they're really nice and they have a good job and they're financially responsible and all this stuff, right? And so you're trying to make it work. You want to make it work with this person. And so you're just stressing yourself out about it. That's an example of your mind overriding your body. Your body's saying. Ain't nothing here. Nothing's here. Just move on, right? But your mind's like, but something must be here because it's so perfect. That's a form of control. So when you do find yourself wanting to control, check in. Who is calling the shots? Is your mind trying to run the show? Or is your body and the signals that you're receiving from your body running the show? What I like to think a lot about is this idea of judgment versus discernment. So judgment is like, but this person's so great. Look at all these great credentials he has, and he's got money, and he's available, and he's kind, and he shows up when he says he's going to show up, all of these things, right? That's all judging. Whereas discernment is pretty much a yes or no. It's a yes, I feel a connection with this person, or no, I don't feel a connection with this person. There's no story attached to it. There's often no rationalization or logic behind it. It's just... I don't know. I feel like I should like this person, but I don't, but I'm a no, that's a no. And so when the judgment is calling the shots, when the judgment is leading your actions, you are probably trying to control the situation. Whereas when your body is calling the shots, your body's like, I'm a no for this person, or I'm a yes for this person, then you're not controlling. You're just following the signs and signals from your body. And this is why embodiment work is so important. It's why I've been talking about it more and more on the show. Um, This fall, I'm going to talk a lot about embodiment. I'm going to put together a new program, um, Embody Dating, which I'm super excited about. Um, Just want to throw that out there. So a lot more is coming your way. But if you do catch yourself you know, trying to control the outcome or going into just mental overdrive or whatever, just check yourself and ask, okay, What is my brain saying? What's the judging versus what's the discerning slash what is my body saying? The other thing you can do is use your inner child to cut the story, right? So when you are trying to control, it's because you're afraid of something happening. You're afraid of something not happening. You're afraid specifically probably of a biggest fear coming true. So let's say you're trying to control, you're trying to get this person to like you back or call you back, or you're trying to get this relationship off the ground or whatever, but it's really efforting. It's a lot of effort on your part and doesn't really feel 50 50. If you were my client, what we would do is okay, what's the story? What's the story that you're telling yourself here? If this person doesn't like you back, or if this relationship doesn't go anywhere, what are you making that mean? right? And then from there, we can do some inner child work. Oh, well, I'm making it mean XYZ. Okay, well, where does that story come from? Right? Stories don't just come out of our ass. You know what I mean? Like, I know that was a little bit vulgar to say, but they really don't. And the thing that I say over and over and over again to clients who think, well, it just comes from me, or I'm like, this This is how I am. Like, okay, were you born a people pleaser? Were you born trying to control everything? No, no, you weren't. These are learned behaviors, right? So where does the story come from? The other thing that I think is really helpful, and I have a lot, a lot of caveats. So like if I, if this were a blog post, there would be like 50 asterisks next to it because there'd be, again, some caveats. I do think it's helpful to look for reasons, right? So when something isn't working out, a common quote that I've seen before, and you might have heard this too, is, what is it? It's rejection is God's protection, I think that can be really helpful, but it has to be used in the right time and in the right way, because it can definitely be bypassy, right? Like, let's say you're going through a really bad breakup or a really big rejection, and it's just bringing up all your core wounds and all your fears, and da da da. da. And rather than feeling those things and working through those things and working through those stories, instead you're like, well, it's just happening for a reason. It's just happening for a reason. It's just just happening for a a reason. God has a reason. God has a plan, and it's not that. That is necessarily wrong or bad. But I do believe you have to actually work through the stuff coming up in order to grow and heal for the next time for the next relationship. So when I was going through really bad, either breakups, or just a relationship was not getting off the ground that I really wanted to get off the ground, I would tell myself this is just happening for a reason, or there's something here for me to learn. Even, you know, before I had done a lot of my healing, I was always pretty good about that. I'm not exactly sure where that came from, except for the fact that I read basically every chicken noodle soup for the soul book when I was 10 years old. So I don't know, maybe I, maybe something did really stick with me over the long term. I don't know. But I, again, I do think that can be helpful, but it has to be used in a way that's not bypassy and please never, ever, ever say this to anybody who is really in it. Right? Like if someone's going through a really bad breakup or, God forbid, like, you know, a death of a loved one, please do not say everything happens for a reason or look for the silver lining because that is just not something to say. (laughs) And also to yourself, you know, when you're in the middle of a situation or like really in the crux of something, things can be messy, things can be hard. And also, again, letting go. We have to let go of, or you have to, or I have to, we have to, we have to let control, excuse me, let go of control that we might not ever know what the reason is, it might take many weeks or months or even years to understand why something has happened, the way it's happened. One thing that you can do is, you know, think about either a big disappointment, or something that it was really difficult in your life, that you have some hindsight around. So I'm not talking something like six months ago, but something like at least a year ago, ideally several years ago. And it's not so much like, what was the silver lining in that, but it's more of like, well, what came after that? And when you look at it from that perspective in your past, you can say, okay, well, that relationship really sucked, but it really helped me heal this or really taught me this. And then what did that lead to? And then what did that lead to? So again, I do think there's some solace. I do think it does help you to let go of control. But again, I, I know I've said this a million times, but I just, I can't overemphasize how important it is to use it sparingly and in a place where it's not just bypassing your feelings or emotions. And on that regard, I would put mantras in this same bucket. So I've talked before on the podcast, some of the mantras I really like is what is for me cannot pass me. Another one that I really like is I'm surrounded by everything I need. And this one has some caveats too, because sometimes you might think, well, I don't have everything that I need. (laughs) But... Maybe you're surrounded by resources who have things that you need, whether that be a book, a podcast, a healer, a therapist, something else, right? This isn't meant to play into people's hyper independence. Well, I don't need anyone else, you know, whether it's a partner or help from friends or help from a therapist or a coach or whatever. So I I don't want to play into that part because I know there's plenty of women who listen to this show who are hyper independent, right? And we need to work on some not codependence, but interdependence with others. But that being said, I'm surrounded by everything that I need can really help you to let go of control so that you can, okay, I don't know how to do this thing that I need to learn how to do. Okay. Where can I access information or resources or help to, you know, do the thing so I can do the thing that I need to do or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So you can use whatever mantras that you want that feel good and feel true to you. The number one I always go back to, like I said, is what is for me cannot pass me. I really like that a lot. And it just helps. I just repeat it over and over and over again until I feel, you know, my shoulders soften or my chest soften or just something, my breath. And I can just feel my body physically release. And it's like, yeah, I I can't control that. And so this finally brings me to my last point, which is you can control some things, but you can't control other things. So you can even write a list, right? If you're talking about, well, you know, this is a podcast about your love life. So I'll just use as an example. What can you control? You can control if you're on the apps. You can control if you're meeting people IRL. You can control whether or not you're doing the deep work around your patterning. You can control whether or not you reach out to someone that you think is cute on the apps. You can control whether or not you text someone to follow up after a date. Uh, There's lots of things you control. Things you can't control. You can't control how they feel about you. You can't control when and if they'll text you back. You can't control if they're going to be acting in an emotionally mature manner. You can't control if they're lying. You can't control if... Their actions are going to line up with their words, right? And so when we can let go of that and just focus on what we can control, like if you're going to control something, just control what you can. And then use these practices that I talk about just now to let go of the things that you just don't have control over, you know? And I think that letting go is really just about, you know, I talked at the top of this episode about how letting control, letting go of control and surrendering. It's not apathy. It's not indifference. It's really more than anything about getting out of your own way. Because when we think that this is the relationship I want, this is the timeline that I wanted in. And this is the kind of person that I want. When that's, you know, you're driving your behavior, driving your actions, driving your beliefs, driving your emotions, well, maybe the thing that would be best for you or even better for you is outside of your realm of possibility. It's outside of your consciousness, right? And so when we have control over a specific outcome in a specific time, then you're just in your own way, right? Because you might miss things. You might miss opportunities. One of my, I don't really regret that many things, in my life, um, I actually regret two things. One is I regret that I did not get to know my grandfather more uh, before he passed away. He was my first grandparent to pass away. I was in college. And I regret that. And the other thing that I regret is I spent a lot of my early 20s just being so focused on meeting my husband and having my first baby by 26. Uh, neither of those things happened <laughs> by 26. <laughs> um, and I mean, I I don't really regret it, because obviously, like, it needed to happen in the way that it happened, and I learned, grew, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, I do have regret because I don't think that I have the same kind of college friends and friends from grad school that I could have had, you know, looking back, because I was just so focused on finding my husband that I was hanging, especially in college, I was hanging out a lot at the AE Pi House, which is the Jewish fraternity on campus. And I was just spending a lot of time there. Those guys were kind of jerks. I mean, there are some nice guys, but they're mostly kind of jerks. And I didn't, I don't think, take advantage of as many opportunities, you know, in terms of building, you know, lots of different kinds of friendships and meeting different lots of kinds of people and just getting involved in different organizations. Like, I didn't do a lot of that stuff because. I was so freaking focused on finding my goddamn husband at UNC and he was not there, that I, I was in my own way, because maybe had I expanded my horizons a little bit, I probably would have developed a lot more self-awareness a lot quicker. I would have realized some things about myself a lot sooner and would have healed. And would have, I don't know what would have happened, honestly, because it's all speculation because it didn't happen. But I don't know what would have happened. But I just can't. I, I just have to believe that I would have gotten out of my own way sooner. I would have really kind of grown into who I am and kind of gotten over some of my um, wounding a lot sooner. And yeah, so who knows what would have happened? But obviously, that's not the part that I regret because obviously everything happened in its own divine timing. But I do regret just not having some of those college friends um, that I could have had because I was just. Uh, You know, if if you've watched Time About Your Mother, I was like that freaking woo girl, just drunk at the house and like, woo, (laughs) all the time. And it's, you know, really embarrassing to think about, but here we are. Anyways, I kind of went a little bit more on a tangent there than I intended. But my last point that I want to leave you with is letting go of control is just really getting out of your own way. So if you are attached to something in a certain amount of time or, coming to you in a certain way or looking a certain way or whatever, think about really how that's actually holding you back and what is beyond those horse blinders that having that really strong attachment to outcome is having. Cause it's, it's worth, it's worth getting rid of those horse blinders for sure because I promise you that whatever you think you want, there's something probably better out there and we just, we don't know what we don't know. So this is deep shit. You know, as you can tell, and this is the stuff that I work on with clients, and like, I hope that you can really feel that this is not just like a light switch that turns on. It's like, it's more of like the dimmer light, right? Like it's it's really dark, and then it slowly gets lighter, right? Like it's just this muscle that you build. So if this is something that I can help you with, as it pertains to your as to your love life and you know doing some of this deeper work, I would be honored. Um, All you have to do is head over to VeronicaGrant.com forward slash coaching, and there you can book a free intro call with me. And just so we can see if that's a good fit for you or not. We'll go from there. All right, my dear, that's all I've got for you this week. Next week, I am back with a new podcast coaching episode, which I'm super excited about until then. One more thing. You may be wondering, but Veronica, how do I start doing the deep work? I'm ready to make a shift. If that's you, I recommend you start with my totally free workshop, five steps to ending overwhelm and anxiety and dating. The good news is that you don't have to do all the things to find love. This workshop will walk you through the five big shifts that'll give you the biggest bang for your buck. You'll learn a step-by-step game plan to finally get unstuck and unblocked in love and end the cycle of dead-end relationships. You'll learn the number one reason most highly successful, motivated, and ambitious women struggle in love and what you can do to make sure it doesn't happen to you. You'll learn how to figure out the real reason you're attracting partners who aren't emotionally available are toxic, or just simply not on your intellectual or emotional level. And you'll also learn the single most effective way to tap into the inner confidence you feel in your career and elsewhere in your life so that it'll carry over into your love life. And of course, a lot more. If you're ready to shift things in your life, I seriously can't wait for you to get your hands on this. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop to sign up. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. If you're looking for links or resources mentioned in the show, you can find the show notes to this episode and all previous episodes at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And if you love this episode, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review the show. It really helps. I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. And until then sending you lots of love.